All right, we're back. F1 Feast, Austrian Grand Prix. The birds are chirping, by the way, in the new studio. Told you during the Canadian Grand Prix pod from filibusterfreestyle.com, by the way, if you still want to check out that site while it's still alive. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be at the end of the summer. It's up for renewal, and we'll see. We'll see what they want to do at the parent company, Filibuster Freestyle Enterprises, but still up. Regardless, new studio, no longer in South Boston, no longer have the uh, MBTA bus going by with the air brake every single time. But we're in the suburbs. There's an owl hooting. This is not BS. Definitely birds chirping. Things of that nature. Good news, bad news. Uh, we're a few days late relative to the, to the Grand Prix itself. However, if we had done the show like so many other F1 podcasts did within two, three, four hours of the race on Sunday, we would have gotten the results wrong because people kept getting penalized hours after the race ended. And so when you wait three days, not only can you do a proper F1 feast, which we'll get into in terms of Austrian cuisine, but you can actually know what the results are of the race that you're talking about. So just in time, just under the gun before everybody else starts doing their Silverstone British Grand Prix previews. We got Cindy Harrington coming up next, but first the theme song. And uh, by the way, give a follow. To our friends at Drilling Threes. They're playing this weekend if you live in the Boston area. Foxborough Stadium, a.k.a. Gillette Stadium. Foxborough Stadium is literally, uh, was torn down in 2002. So, good times. Give them a follow at Drilling Threes on Instagram. They're always got the good content. But July 8th, 4 to 7 p.m., free show, all-ages show. America's favorite party band, Drilling Threes, making their debut at Patriot Place. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster Watch freestyle. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster, freestyle, filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. All right, we had a delicious meal. Cindy Harrington joins us first of all. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Gavin. Did you enjoy the meal? I did. Let's talk about the F1 feast before we talk about the F1 race. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to try and cook a little wiener schnitzel, which is a traditional dish made with boneless meat, thinned with a mallet, and fried with a coating of flour, egg, and breadcrumbs. But that was not going to happen. No. In our current state in the studio. In the kitchen that it is also a part of. So we know wiener schnitzel. We settle for a modified version Loosely modified tonight, unfortunately, of Bosna, which is a spicy fast food. It's a dish that is said to have originated in Salzburg, Austria, in 1949, invented by a man named Zanko Todorov. Hell of a name. And it's now popular in Western, Aust- Western Austria, as well as Southern Bavaria, which is part of Germany. It is basically, friends, a hot dog from Austria. It is bread, bratwurst, onions, ketchup, mustard, and curry powder. And we had a close enough version of that to say we had some Bosna for our Austrian F1 feast. Yeah. Sure and you enjoyed it. Yes. Absolutely. All right. All right. So there we go. Well, let's talk a little bit about the track. Number one, I feel like the track is beautiful. It's a great backdrop for a race. Super nice. Very uh, rural compared to a lot of other tracks. Agreed. And I think for me... Having a real track and a very pretty, aesthetically pleasing backdrop that is very unique in that the wilderness of Austria is different from the wilderness in several different places, 
I just think that's a lot better than these glammed up street circuits like Miami. Yeah, absolutely. And we've figured it out now. They've done the race twice in Miami. They can't do it on Miami Beach. They can't do it anywhere iconically Miami. They basically do it in the parking lot of the Dolphin Stadium in Miami Gardens. And yeah, people want to be in Miami. It's a glitzy area. There's a lot of money in Miami. There's a lot of money in the U.S. The U.S. is having a boom in F1. But these street circuits are kind of whack unless you're in Monaco. And then when you see a place like Austria, you're just like, I'm really glad they extended that track and they guaranteed a race in Austria until 2030. I have a hot take. Sure. I actually don't like Monaco at all. A lot of people don't. Yeah. I know Um, it's like... Well, it's historic, but it's not... It's historic. It's not... I actually don't mind the Miami race. I don't mind where they go and how they kind of zig and zag out of certain spots there. But yeah, I agree. Being in Austria, it felt like a true racetrack. Yeah, and I think that's more the point then. Yeah. Monaco's a novelty. Miami, I think it's also a different kind of novelty. Yeah. Uh, one's historic. One is kind of We're a We're going to go grab. to Miami one year. Sure. Why Montreal. not? I mean, I'd rather do Montreal, but... Oh, yeah, we can also do but there's, I mean, why not go to as many of them as you can? But the bottom line is... I see Austria, I say, that's really neat, and that's a real racetrack, and that's a very unique setting. Yeah. And then they tell us that they've been extended for another seven years, which is great because I think a lot of these tracks in Europe have been the ones that are getting axed for these newer street circuits in Saudi Arabia or in the U.S. or wherever else. Right, exactly. Now, interestingly enough, I do think that Austria getting extended puts a lot of pressure on Spa, the track in Belgium. Oh. Because I feel like one of the reasons, and we talked about this when we were watching the race, mm-hmm. that the track in Austria just got the extension is that it's called the Red Bull Ring. Red Bull is not only the best team in the sport right now, they own two different teams out of the 10. Mm-hmm. They put a ton of money into the sport. They have a ton of influence in the sport. Yeah. I just can't see uh, if they're going to choose to get rid of a Monaco or a Spa, Belgium, or um, you know, a Netherlands, which they only do right now because of Max. Being from uh, Netherlands, right. Netherlands or Austria, which is the traditional track, they're just not going to get rid of the one that's called the Red Bull Ring. Right. Um, and so, I, but I'm glad because I think it's incredibly picturesque. I love the race. I thought it was a very interesting race. Um, You're talking about sort of the hills that were on the track. Yeah, the, the elevation changes yeah. I thought were pretty cool. Um, it's a really interesting turns as well, which we'll get into in a second. But at the Overall, I'm very pleased with the aesthetic and the properties of a racetrack in the rural mountains of Austria. Yeah. Now, the problem with this racetrack and the turns and the elevation changes is that basically everybody got a million penalties. Yeah, right. We learned several hours after the race that Esteban Ocon had actually accumulated not 10, but 30 seconds of penalties. Sheesh. Dropping him out of the points. Yeah. Um, he had the worst day penalization-wise. Lewis Hamilton dropped behind. He beat his teammate, George Russell, by nine seconds. Yeah. But got a 10-second penalty, finished behind George mm-hmm. on the penalty. Lewis and multiple other drivers, excuse me, had 10-second penalties. Another bevy of drivers had five-second penalties. And I think what a lot of folks are saying is it's one thing to be sticklers for track limits during qualifying, but if if... If you're not going to put what they call a sausage curb up, which actually makes it slower to go over, or you're not going to put a wall or a chicane or a gravel pit or something that makes it go slower, these guys are always going to push the envelope. And what it basically turned into was a tattletale syndrome of everybody was telling on the driver in front of them, and then the FIA decided to just penalize everybody. Right. 
And it's just kind of a lot of people I've heard say it kind of takes the fun out of them pushing the envelope and racing. Yeah. If they may or may not, in Ocon's case, hours later, right. lose places and lose time up to a half a minute. Yeah. Which is over a pit stop penalty. A pit stop is 20 seconds. So that was right. like a pit stop and a half of time that he didn't necessarily know he was going to lose until he had already lost it. Yeah. I feel like all of the radio chatter was about the potential penalties and going off track, et cetera, et cetera. So. Exactly. Mundo. Yeah. It was kind of overhanging the whole race. Yeah, for sure. So the bottom line is the only two drivers that in th- that never were in danger of penalty, it sounds like, were Max, uh, Max obviously, yep. and then actually um, Fernando Alonso, who hmm. did not podium. Uh, we'll get into the podium. What place did he end up in? I, I want to say it was a fourth, and I can okay. look it up. I have it here. Yeah. I want to say he was fourth. Actually, he was fifth. Oh, okay. Uh, well, so we'll get into the standings. But, but so Alonso had a nice, solid day. Yeah. Uh, he finished in fifth, but he was never in danger of track limits, and it goes to show his skill. Exactly. I have a hot take on him later, by the way. Okay. Um, I look forward to it. Yeah, for sure. But but anyway, Max as well, who's basically, Max literally had enough of a lead that he decided to pit with two laps left to go for the fastest lap. Yeah. And to take his lead from 24 seconds to four seconds. And he still won the race by 5.155 seconds over Charlotte Claire. So, again, we call this after Canada. Max has already won the title. Red Bull has already won the constructors. It's just a question of what team comes in second and what driver comes in second. Right. Um, this thing's over. But but Max and, and, and Fernando, two very, two very technically sound drivers, no issues. Everybody else had major issues mm. with, with getting uh, either tattletailed on or just, you know, not being able to stay on the track. Is Lewis known for being less technically sound in terms of his driving? Um, no, I don't think so, uh, necessarily. But I, think- I feel like he was, all, even in like his heyday, he was always kind of getting some sort of pushback. Yeah, potentially. I think the problem for this particular weekend for Lewis was that the car was not where it needed to be. Okay. Uh, which we can also get into in a bit in my notes, but I think he was literally trying to push the envelope more so than he normally would. And I think he was not alone in the track limits thing. Yeah. I think Max was comfortably where he was. And I think sure. Fernando, again, is. I think Fernando actually is very technically incredible. Yeah. Um, and well, nothing Max isn't. All the years of experience. Yeah, so exactly. That benefits you, guys you eventually. Long enough. Yeah. I mean, if you're still good enough at 42 to do this at the highest level possible, right. you, it's like the Tom Brady thing. It's like exactly. if your body hasn't quit on you yet, your yeah. mind and your precision. I mean, you wouldn't still be doing it if you didn't love it and weren't great at it. Right, exactly. And so his body quits in yeah. terms of reaction time or whatever else. Yeah. He's actually playing yeah. with an advantage of right. he's been doing this forever. Which, again, we'll come to my hot take in a bit. Sure. Um, let's go to this. So Ferrari's had a really good day. Yeah. So what's interesting, though, is Ferrari had a good day despite having a bad strategy still. Mm-hmm. Um, they still probably cost Signs a podium. Yeah. Um, they didn't let Signs go ahead of Charles early in the race, where Charles Leclerc was at a slower pace, and it was him and Signs in second and third, respectively. Yeah. Um, they did a weird pit stop thing where both drivers were pissed at them. So despite the car performing well and the drivers performing well, the strategy team still, ooh, Garbaggio. Like speaks some Italian. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's perfect Italian. It's just so frustrating because I feel like Matteo, who we we all know and love, yeah. I feel like he wasn't the problem. I think Ferrari's problem is that it's literally a toxic work environment. Yeah. And um, 
mean, you look at the drivers who have gone there besides Michael Schumacher, who have had their careers get worse. Right. Uh, Vettel, Alonso. Yeah. Um, right now we're watching it happen to Leclerc. Yeah. Um, you know, these dudes have gone in this team and then done worse. Right. And obviously Schumacher, that wasn't the case, but he seems to be the anomaly in the last 30 years, not not the, the rule. Yeah. And obviously he's arguably the best driver of all time. So it's like it took that kind of guy. Right. To get Ferrari back to where they were, had glory, and then obviously it fell off since, and they've brought in all these world champions and high-performing guys. But the bottom line is, you know, Charlotte Claire gets a podium, good for him, second place. Yep. And then Sainz, who I believe finished in fourth, actually finishes after his penalties in sixth. Jeez. But they had a great day. On the track, yeah. they were second and fourth. Right. And the Red Bulls were first and third. And that Red Bull's a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. And so I got to give Sainz a lot of credit. I got to give Leclerc a lot of credit. I got to give the car a ton of credit because the car has not been there on race day no. this year like it was in 22. Right. And so Ferrari had a good day besides the fact that they're still Ferrariing their way out of points and podiums and, and, yeah. and double podiums and all that. And just imagine if they could get their shit together. Exactly. Exactly right. So when I look at the days and who had good days, who had bad days, and I go back to my notes, we can go down the standings a little bit. So Ferrari had a good day overall, despite bad strategy. Lando Norris had a great day. Great day. So he was, a, he was like the voted the driver of the race. He was. Whatever. So Lando gets fourth. Now, again, I think he was fifth right. until Signs took the penalties. But Lando was fourth. Lando qualified, I think, third. Okay. Now, what I did here, because his teammate, Oscar Piastri, was way down at 16th. And they've been a lot closer than that. Yeah. I heard that Lando got upgrades and Piastri hasn't gotten them yet. Oh. So. How is Zach Brown managing that? Well, it's a weird flex. Now, clearly Lando's the number one driver and good for him and good for them. And right. Brett, you know, Piastri's a rookie and I'm sure everything's fine in the garage because it's not like it's two number one drivers. But, but I was saying, wow, like Piastri's getting crushed and Lando is having like a singular race. And those two things aren't true. Other than Lando had a better version of the McLaren, which is really good for Lando and really actually good moving forward, potentially going to Silverstone for McLaren in general. Because I would imagine with the factory being right there in England, uh, that Piastri's upgrades were probably coming for Silverstone next week. Right. Um, But Lando had a hell of a day. Hats off to him. He's a talented driver. He showcased it, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. But it takes a little bit of shine off it when Piastri actually didn't get the upgrades. So it wasn't like... He was actually that much better than him in the same car. The, the cars technically weren't exactly the same. Right. But still one of Lando's best results of the year. Yeah. So Alonso sneaks into fifth again because Sainz got double dinked in you know, two spots. <laughs> yeah. Alonso, you know, another solid day, another top five day. Um, he did, in a lot of ways, make his teammate look bad. I mean, you know Stroll's getting the same updates, upgrades as Fernando. His dad owns the team. Right. So... Um, Stroll finished 29 seconds behind his teammate in the same car. Oof. Um, now, Stroll did have a better sprint weekend. Sprint, he did have a better qualifying. Yeah. But right off the bat, Fernando blew right past him on the first turn of the first lap. Fernando's an incredible driver, and Stroll is the best paid driver in the world, which is great, but he's not, he's, he ain't Fernando Alonso, let yeah, alone. Yeah, he's just an average driver. Sure, which is fine. Maybe and slightly above average. Above average driver in, in a very good car this year. Yeah. But a really good day for Fernando, a really tough day, in my opinion, for Lawrence, or sorry, Lance Stroll. Lawrence Stroll maybe, too, because Lance is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so George Russell had an okay day in a crap car. He winds up finishing ahead of Lewis uh, on a technicality because Lewis got a 10-second penalty, and George was nine seconds behind him. 
Lewis was vehemently upset with his car all day. Yeah. Um, but constantly. They had a bad. So Mercedes had a really bad weekend. They had bad qualifying. They had a bad sprint race. They had a bad, you know, all of it. So I feel like I didn't see Toto at all on the on the screen. No, no, their car wasn't there this weekend. And what's weird is. They got a little unlucky in that Imola got canceled, which is where they were going to bring their upgrades. Mm, right. So they want to bring in the upgrades to uh, Monaco, where it doesn't matter. Yep. And it wasn't suited for them anyway. They go to Barcelona, they kick ass. Uh, they go to Canada, they have a pretty good, they have a good showing. Yeah. And then they come here, and from the things I hear about, the cool conditions should have suited them, but the... I guess the moisture that we have with the rain and stuff maybe equalized that. But anyway, oh. either way, a really bad day for Mercedes when the Aston Martin was faster, the yeah. Ferrari was faster, and one of the McLarens, the upgrade, was faster. Exactly. So not great for them. Not great for them in terms of trying to reassert being the second best team, which they seem to have figured out in the last month. Right. So it's kind of odd. They just had a really off day. So that's a bad day going to Silverstone this week. We'll see where that goes. Um, Perez, Checo, huge day. He qualified like crap. Yep. But he's in that rocket ship that has the great Sunday pace, and he made a count. He comes in third. He gets a podium. Um, I just think it helps him with his job security. By the way, like a million screens going here. Sorry for all the toggling. Um, But the bottom line is, as I try to find... Sorry, you're managing it well. Well, thank you. Uh, Checo had a great day. Checo, he did. I don't, I don't know that Checo's going to get extended beyond the season. I'm hearing a lot of rumors about that. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about... Um, they they feel like Checo. Checo's issue is that Checo is either challenging Max to the point of where it's it's a little bit too much infringing on Max's show, or when he doesn't, when Checo doesn't show up, he might finish like eighth, yeah, or or, or twelfth, or even fifth. And Red Bull's whole thing is. We have the fastest car. Your job is to lose to Max, but nobody else. Mm. And, you know, coming in third is fine. Being in the podium is fine. But him being off the podium is not fine. And he had, like, four or five bad weeks in a row. Yeah. So a huge race for Checo and Checo fans. And, obviously, really good for him as a driver. And a lot of people like him. And so that's really good stuff. So let's go down the rest of the, stand, the standings here. So from the point standpoint, we had Russell in seventh. We had Hamilton eighth. He has Stroll in that. Gasly sneaks in for 10th. Now, again, Gasly sneaks in for 10th. One, because Ocon dropped a ton of spots. Yeah. Two, Albon got penalized as well. And Albon comes in 11th, misses a point. Mm. But Albon, again, had that car in like 9th, 10th, 11th all day. Right. He's doing a great job in that Williams. He is. Yeah, for sure. that car is, season. And honestly, to give credit to his teammate, Logan Sargent, only two places behind in 13th. The American. Oh, that's pretty good for Logan. Really pretty good, exactly. Which, again, he's gets typically thir- right at the bottom yeah, of the Yeah, gets barrel. 13th because Ocon <laughs> literally, I think, gave back four spots. How did the houses end up? Well, we're going to get there, but, uh-huh. but we're already. So 12th was Joe. Yeah. Out of Alfa Romero, Romeo, excuse me. Um, Sergeant Ocon in 14th. Botas in 15th in the Alfa Romeo. Piastri in 16th. DeVries in 17th. Ugh. Ugh. K-Mag, rough day in 18th in the house. Mm. Yuki, really rough day. Lost really? his front wing in the yeah. first lap. Yeah, he had Put a lot it in the troubles. gravel at least once, if not twice. Yuki had a tough day. It's 19th. And then Nico Hulkenberg didn't finish. I mean... His car fried. Remember, his car was yeah, like smoking. Like, why does that keep happening? The Haas doesn't and... have good race pace. It's a good qualifying car. It's, yeah. It's not a good race car. 
That's probably. And I feel like they have something there in Hulkenberg, which stinks that they can't just they do. convert They've it, got something right? in Hulkenberg, and frankly... Like, he could really get some good points for He them. could. He qualifies very well. Very well. I forget exactly where it was this week, but I want to say he was in the top four or five again. Yeah. Hulkenberg is... is that car is pretty good for one lap. Right. And Hulkenberg's really good at getting that lap out of it. He really is. I gotta give him credit. I know, it's frustrating. I bet Gunther must be frustrated. I bet Gunther is frustrated, which is, you know, it's wonderful because Gunther is so entertaining. Yeah. So let's do a quick point, uh, standings recap of the drivers and the constructors, and then maybe get some hot takes. Okay. All right, from the bottom up, Nick DeVries, zero points. Bye. Yeah, there's, there's rumors he's probably going to be gone sooner than later. Good. Sergeant, 19th place, zero points. Poor guy. K-Mag, 18th place, two points. Yuki, also two points. I'm not sure how they break ties, but he's in 17th. Okay. Uh, Joe has got four points in 16th. His teammate, Botas, five points in 15th. Mm. Piastri, five points. Again, tiebreaker somehow, 14th place. I don't think any of those dudes are a threat this year to do anything but be where they're pretty much at. Yeah. Maybe Yuki a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Then we get into Albon at seven points in the Williams. I feel like Albon is a threat even though he's in 13th place. Albon's a really good driver. He is. Hulkenberg, 12th place, nine points. And if his car would cooperate, I feel like he'd be even higher. Yeah, he'd be top 10. In 11th, you've got Gasly with 16. I actually think for Gasly... I'm surprised that he's as much lower as Ocon as he is. I'll get into Ocon in a second, but yeah, he's in eleventh. Lando on the Lando's in tenth place, and he came in fourth mm. or fifth, excuse mm-hmm. me, fourth, fourth this weekend. Yeah, which means most of Lando's points literally came this weekend. This weekend. That shows you how bad McLaren has been. Yeah, but Lando to be in tenth when his teammate is in fourteenth, and Lando is twenty-four points, and Piastri is five. Yeah, I mean, Lando's drive this weekend was huge. And maybe if the upgrades work out for Piastri and they have two good cars, they start jumping into that Alpine mix. In ninth is Ocon, who, again, gave up. He would have had points this weekend if he didn't get all right. these dinged on penalties. Yeah. Lance Stroll. And this is where it's at. Like Lance, 44 points, a clear eighth place. But he's also not even close to seventh. And that's why Lance is in a great car, average driver, like you said. Yeah. George Russell in seventh, 72 points. So it's 44 to 72. Yes. Got it. And then Leclerc also now also has 72 points. So he's tied. Oh. But he's two podiums to Russell's one. Mm. And so now we've got a Ferrari driver in sixth and 72 points. And then Carlos Sainz is actually at 82 points. Really? And what's interesting about Sainz is he's zero podiums. Yeah. And he's 10 more points than Leclerc, who has two podiums. Which goes to show you, Sainz is much more consistent slash luck and consistency. Well, yeah, Claire has Claire is the worst so luck many, um, with breakdowns. Yeah, exactly. Spinouts, et cetera. So then we got you know 82 points in fifth place. And then Lewis is in fourth, 106, three podiums. How old is Lewis? Lewis is 38. Oh, okay. And then you got Alonso, a clear third place, still sniffing around at, at second. Uh, he's got six podiums out of nine races. 131 points. Okay. He's really driving that Aston Martin well. Mm. Checo is back into second place with, with, with you know, a good 16, 17-point lead now. Five podiums, two wins, only other driver besides Max to win, 148. And then Max did 229 points, seven wins, nine podiums, killing it. Yeah. Let's go to the constructors. Alfa Torre, two points from two Yuki Snow to 10-place finishes. Williams with seven, all on Alexander Albon. Alfa Romeo, a little bit of Botas, a little bit of Joe. 
Haas, 11 points. Oof. Frankly, good for Haas to be in seventh place with 11 points. Yeah. But that's where it jumps because he goes from 11 points in seventh, eighth is nine, ninth is seven, and then Alfatori with only two points in the season. Yeah. But then McLaren in sixth place, 29 points. So they've almost tripled the points. 29. So McLaren's a clear sixth, and then the clear fifth is Alpine. They have one podium, first podium out of these bottom six, 47 points. They're clearly ahead. Mm. But then the gap's even bigger moving up. So Ferrari at 154, two podiums, definitely the fourth best team or better. Aston Martin, 175, Mercedes, 178. So you've got a really good three-team constructors race for second place. I mean, I think Aston Martin is really the story of the season. 100%. They were like seventh, eighth place last year. Yeah, exactly. Maybe ninth. They're right. around eighth as a constructor. Yeah. Now, they got rid of Vettel, who retired. They brought in Alonso, who's having an incredible renaissance. Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously, Red Bull running away with this thing. Running away with this thing. So, of course. that actually is going to bring me to not one, but two hot takes. Oh, one about Red Bull. I was Bull. just going to ask you a question about that, too. But please do. Oh, do you want to go to your hot takes well, no, first? Well, no, really quickly. One about Red Bull and one about Fernando Alonso. And yeah. then what's, what's your question first? My question is, do you think some people are kind of falling off of all the F1 hype just because of what Max and Red Bull are doing? So. I've seen some rumblings. Yeah, well, I actually, you would think so. And I think par- partially, yes. However, it does seem like the American numbers here in the US are holding pretty strong compared to like where they jumped off the last couple seasons. Yeah. It does seem that the viewership in Europe, especially in the UK, is dropping. Mm. And that is likely due to they saw this in Germany with Schumacher and a little bit with Vettel as well. When your driver goes from being the one who always wins to not having any chance to win, yeah. which is where everybody is besides Red Bull right now, right? You're, if you were tuning in to see the driver from your country, in this case, Lewis, or in Vettel's case, Germany, or Schumacher, Germany, do well, then yeah, you're not going to watch if the guy from your country isn't winning or has no chance to win. Yeah. But overall, actually, it sounds like the American numbers and the overall worldwide numbers yeah. are still holding very strong and are much bigger than they were pre-Drive to Survive. Interesting. But I think next I think a season lot of, will be the turning I point. think a lot of new fans are put off by the fact that it's, I think I'm using it right, a fait accompli. Basically, it's predetermined yeah. that Rebel's going to win, Max is going to win, everybody's playing for second. And what, you, what I hear from people who've been watching this for decades and decades and the people that I listen to some on this one, the pod I listen to, and is that this is typical of F1. Typically, in every new rule regulation set cycle yes which are usually four or five year cycles okay if one team knocks the design out of the box and has one of the best drivers it basically takes four or five years for everybody else to catch them yeah and so red bull knocked this out of the park Max is a generationally talented driver right his teammate can't even keep up with him in the same car yeah so this is going to be a mess until it's not in terms of competitors at the very top. Right. And so what these people say is this has always been the case in F1 because the formulas change and everybody has to go and basically take the test in secret and then they come back and they present on the same idea, mm-hmm. same rules, same regulations, but different interpretations of the rules. Mm-hmm. And then every year you get into the competitive set, it gets tighter and tighter, it could. 
But what we're seeing right now is Red Bull crush it by so much and Max is so good that, again, we have a great race for second place in the constructors. And maybe Fernando can, can pip, to use a British term, Checo for second place or not in the drivers. Yeah. But Checo, as much as I like him, is not the second best driver on the grid. Right. And he's going to come in second because he's in by far the best car on the grid. Of course, yeah. And he's nowhere close to his teammate. Yeah. And again, all, all Max does is destroy his teammates. Right. He destroyed Danny Rick. He destroyed Alex Albon. He destroyed Gasly. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, Danny Rick's been a good driver after. And Alexander Albon's a good driver right now. Great driver, yeah. Gasly's a good driver, but Max just destroys his teammates. And so, yeah. anyway, I think... I think you're right. We need to watch this next year. We need to see how much of a blowout this is next year. Mm-hmm. And then that next year is what, 24? And then 25 is the last year of the regulation set. I see. So then by the time we're either all sick of it, people have caught up, there's the hope of will Red Bull and will Max still be together in a dominant place? Or will he lose a step? Or will they lose a step? Or will somebody else gain a step? Or will a new driver come in who's even as much of a phenom or one of these young guys develop. But, yeah. but right now, apparently, this, this is the norm in F1, which is like typically a team or a driver within a team run away with three or four years of every set of regulations. I see. I and see. that the year a lot of us caught up and watched It was kind of like 21. Lewis was on his way out. Right, and that was the end of a regulation set. I see. And Red Bull had finally caught them car-wise, and Max and Lewis are both great drivers, and it was a very competitive championship battle. That's not normal. Yeah. And so a lot of us got spoiled. Right. It just seemed Lewis was a little bit more fallible than Max is now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like Lewis could, but didn't win all of the race. You know, he, he had closer competition than Max does now, essentially. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think, one, Botas was, for a while there, a pretty good competitor. Yeah. I think Matt Max was a really good competitor. Also, Lewis had some years there where, like, he had teammates like Nico Rosberg, who was really good. Mm-hmm. He had Vettel and Ferrari in the early days in Ferrari when Vettel was still Vettel, when they had some good races. So, yeah, I think I think this regulation set, Red Bull just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And Max is the best driver. Yeah. And it's just not close. Yeah. It's just not close. Yeah. Um, which brings me to a couple of hot takes. So, one, let's stay with the, the Red Bull thing. So you've got people like Vettel who left Red Bull to go to Ferrari to try to like help Ferrari find this glory. Um, you had guys, and I don't remember his exact journey, but like Alonzo who left McLaren to go to Ferrari to help them find their glory. Hey, everybody, stop going to Ferrari to help them find their glory. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not happening. If, it, if, if Alonzo couldn't win there, if Vettel couldn't, I, mean, I know he won there a little bit, but like, it's just not happening. And yeah. It's not happening. And so to the next person, whether that be Max or whether that be like anybody or anybody who's coming up, like unless you get put in the Ferrari to start and you guys happen to put it together, it's like going to the Mets or like it's like going to the approach. LA Clippers in basketball or Cindy, give me a crap hockey team that's never going to win it. Like Buffalo Sabres. Like, yeah. It's like, and I'm not, not sorry, Buffalo Sabres. I, I, that's not going to be fair, but like, pretty fair okay there you go it's like you're just never it, it, we're at the point where they're so in their own way yeah that it doesn't matter yeah and it's being forgotten 
And so helping them win again is great, but the sport is now so big that I don't think, the hot take is the sport is so big and they're so bad yeah, and they're so dysfunctional that you do not need to win a Ferrari to become the star that you want to be. You can be that star via Drafts of Survive. You can be that star via any of these teams now. Yeah. Especially when Alpine's getting bought by people like Ryan Reynolds, who's just turned a fucking, excuse my French, fifth division, non-league, semi-professional football team into the biggest soccer team in North America. Yeah, do we need to like have another pod episode separate about that? Well, I don't know. Maybe. I think maybe as they get closer. But the point is, you don't think those guys are going to help market the crap out of Alpine? Yeah. Um, and, and just I knock it the heck out of the sport, even though it doesn't even need the help. And let's go back to so that brings me my point to Red Bull, which is like Red Bull is the new Ferrari. Like Red Bull was good as an upstart team in 05 when they started winning with Vettel. Red Bull has made Danny Rick was winning races. Mm-hmm. And they found Max. Max is dominating. If you're at a place like Red Bull. Going to Ferrari is a step down. Yeah. It is a At step this down. Point, absolutely. That's the hot take. Ferrari is a step down. Yeah. Definitely from Red Bull. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's not it's not even close in my mind. And I'm not a Red Bull fan, but like it's just not close. So something to say on that or no? Well, I just think they need to they need to fix the front office. They gotta fix everything right. from the ground up. And again, I think if Fred Verser, I believe his name is, who's the new Mattia Bonotto replacement uh-huh. who came from Alfa Romeo, it's only year one. These things take two or three years. One, are you gonna give them time to actually do this? And two, are enough people it's a little bit like the Red Sox where I was having this conversation with the sports jerks today on, or by a text. It's yeah. you hire a GM. Yeah. You hire somebody to clean it up and to fix things. But then every once in a while, the ownership are like, mm, but you can't sell everybody at the trade deadline because we still want concessions in August, September. So don't get anything for all of, uh, Nate um, Evoldi. Don't get anything for um, Xander Bogarts. Let's let them walk in free agency and get nothing for them because we don't want the fans to be mad at us. But then, oh, let's lowball Rafi Devers as the owners. But, oh, but the fans are too mad at us. Let's sign him for $400 million. It's like, let the freaking guy you hired to run the team run the team yeah. and keep paying the payroll or just be the GM yourself, like Jerry right. Jones of the Cowboys. And he's bad at it, but it's his freaking team. Do whatever you want. Yeah. But it's when these owners, and so when Ferrari corporate decides they want to be in the racing business or they want to adjust, then guys like Mattia Bonotto get undercut. And that's Ferrari's problem. Is they're, 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 they're like a frigging dysfunctional office because they're run by a corporation. Right. And Red Bull is run by a racing team that's yeah. owned by a soda maker or whatever the fuck it is, an energy drink. Yeah. Two swears tonight. Wow. Woo. Uh, do you think Mattia pops up somewhere else next season? I don't know, man. He's making that wine. He seems oh. so happy. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I hope that man is happy wherever he is. Yeah, I think Mattia Bonotto is a breath of fresh air. He's like a second on, right under Gunther for me. My issue with Mattia, or it's not an issue, I like him a lot. I, he's clearly fluent in English, but yeah. he, he would always do interviews and things in Italian, and maybe yeah. that's part of being with Ferrari. I just wonder, does he have to be with an Italian-based team? Because if so, it's basically Alfa Romeo or Ferrari and technically Alfa Torre, which is the Red Bull B team, is based in Italy. Like, if he wants to be in Italy, he has to be one of those three te- those teams. And you know, Alfa Romero is going to become Audi in a couple of years. Oh. And the new regulations. And then I don't necessarily see him working for a B team mm. in 
Alvatore. So, but again, if he wants, you never know. I, I'm not saying no. Who knows? But I think he's wonderful. So my second hot take: buried the lead all the way to here. Oh, sorry. You're fine. Fernando Alonso, what the heck were you doing these last ten years? Yeah. So you you were a world champion twice. Good point. You kept jumping teams. You kept firebombing the teams in the way out of town. You did IndyCar for a while. You did Formula E, which is like the fifth tier for a while. It's you. I don't. I'm making this up, but I think you were doing like rally cars and dirt track racing for a while. Monster and trucks. Maybe, maybe not. And there's a part of me that's like, that's great. How cool! You're just you can drive anything and be successful, and that's wonderful. But I see what you're doing in this really good Aston Martin. You were with Ferrari. You were with McLaren. You were with these other teams that I don't even know about. You're with Renault for a while, Alpine. Um, what the hell have you been doing? Yeah. I just feel like as good as he is, as much credit as he deserves for being 42 and arguably the second best driver on the grid, um, I feel like Vettel just fell off. I feel like he yeah. lost a step of Ferrari. They weren't competitive anymore. He kind of found, found his middle age, if you will, as a racer and was just happy to be there and be an ambassador. But... Fernando's clearly happy. He's clearly a genius at this thing. But it's almost like he wasted it. I want to say he's actually the rich man's Danny Rick. Yeah. Because Danny Rick became a star and then decided he wanted to go to Renault because he didn't want to deal with Max. Then he went to McLaren. And now he, he's basically a frigging ambassador for Red Bull. Right. And maybe he'll get a drive and maybe he won't. He's on but a Danny show Rick's a nice driver who's super charismatic. Yeah. On a show with Will Arnett. Yeah. Right. Now he's. <laughs> Fernando Alonso's never lost it. Right. And it's kind of it's kind of as if what have you been doing? Like even since we've been watching this drive to survive era, you've been on three different teams. Yeah, you're only good now. Um, you hadn't been on a podium in ten years, but you're now basically able to beat Checo all the time in a rocket ship. Yeah, you're I just <laughs> think he's the biggest waste of talent. Yeah, like, of the last ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And maybe he had to go find himself and then come yeah. back, and now he's forty two. But that's still a waste of talent because of how good he is. I feel like it's probably what you just said. He probably did it for a long time, got sick of it, had to figure himself out. You know? Okay. But my Some hot- people go through that in their 30s. Agreed. But my hot take is what a waste. When Sure. Yes, it's amazing what you're doing at the age you're doing it at. But then I do look at a guy like Tom Brady, which is a pretty in- interesting comp or equivalent of like mm-hmm. guys in their 40s doing it at the highest level. Yeah. And that's the opposite. That's a guy who was only able to keep doing what he was doing in his 40s because he never took his foot off the gas. Yeah. Because he never got complacent. Because he was always pushing the envelope. And I feel no, like... And again, the difference... He's also like a little crazy, too. Like, he's also extremely neurotic and stuff right, like no that. One's and Alonso saying, doesn't really see right, that. Maybe way. that's true. Anyway, I think Alonso is a phenomenal talent. And, yeah. it, and it would have been an interesting... If you could simulate his career 100 times, I think just 40% of the versions are... He's an eight-time world champion, and we're never going to get to see it, and I, I feel bad that... I mean, hell, people connect him with Taylor Swift, and when that happens, you know you've made it. You know you've made it. Yeah. And everybody thinks he's underachieved as a driver. Hard enough to believe. He's a two-time world champion. Well, he's living, he's living his best life right now. Well, I hope so. Let's celebrate it. I hope so. Well, that's my hot take. All right. It's good. Silverstone's coming up. English Grand Prix. We'll see how that goes. Anything else, Cindy? No. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. F1 Feast. Try yourself a Bosna sandwich. It's a huge hit in Western Austria and in Southern Bavaria. Sausage in a bun. Just it's an Austrian hot dog with a little bit of curry on top. Enjoy yeah. it. And uh, 
Do yourself a favor. If you want any gear, at PopSketch Designs on Instagram, at PopSketch Designs, or Etsy.com slash shop slash PopSketch Designs. Tell them, Joe hey, and Three sent you. Is Pop Sketch Designs going to get in on the F1 uh, deal? Oh, it's a really good idea. We should talk to them about that. Yeah, I think, I think this is where it's going to start. Noted. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.